We are going to start today's session with a conversation with Francisco Harbin, founding partner at SP Ventures. Francisco, welcome to the show. Hello, Surama. It's an honor to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. And uh, I'm glad to say that our firm's vintage uh, is, is very quite similar to yours. We, we founded the company back in 2007, so almost when you were getting started over here. Right. Fantastic. So tell us a bit about SC Ventures, and uh, let's get our audience introduced to you. Great. So, I mean, first, the SP comes from Sao Paulo, uh, you know, the, the financial services, industrial, and technology capital of Latin America. Um, we, we founded a company here originally with the intent of uh, building out the venture capital industry and replicating the Silicon Valley venture capital playbook. So we were agnostic, early stage focused, um, and very focused on working the, the, the ecosystem. Now, uh, we raised a, approximately a $10 million fund back in 2007 which we deployed in eight companies. And much to our surprise of these eight companies, uh, four were in the agricultural sector, the ag tech. And um, yeah, none of of us expected that, okay? We expected to have a a very Silicon Valley-oriented portfolio in software, uh, e-commerce, IP, AI, et cetera. And much to our surprise, you know, ag just stood out. Uh, following best entrepreneurs, biggest uh, market opportunities, uh, you know, and and we really started to do a lot of soul searching during those years to to try to understand why you know we were having so much uh, uh, deal flow and so much uh, investment track record in ag back in the early days. And a few things that that have become quite mainstream in the global VC and, and specifically in the global ag tech investment scenario over the past three or four years um, leapt out in, in us, you know, and and perhaps. Doing a parallel with what uh, Peter Thiel uh, in his book Zero to One describes as you know your your contrarian truth, um, we kept seeing these fundamentals in ag tech investing back then, and and the rest of the venture ecosystem pretty much shying away and and not really believing in the in the ag tech uh, mm-hmm. uh, opportunity. So, I mean, what were these uh, fundamental things that really showed us that ag tech investing was the greatest or one of the greatest investment opportunities in our generation? And that, you know, led the firm to, in our next fund, uh, become an ag tech exclusive fund, right, or, or firm. Um, first of all, I mean, whether you're reading in a, a research report from McKinsey or from the Food and Agriculture Organization in the UN, the FAO, the numbers were pretty much uniform. Uh, until 2050, in the coming decades, uh, driven by global population increase and changing demographics and enriching emerging markets, demanding more animal protein, there was going to be a demand in 60 to 80 percent additional demand in food, right? So the, the planet was going to have to produce 60 to 80 percent more food in order to feed this, this, this driven demand. Um, second, if you looked at the five or six regions in the world that could feed this uh, growing population, um, you know, Europe, Canada, US, Argentina, Brazil, Australia, uh, Brazil, and, and the greater tropical ecosystem of Brazil, which includes Bolivia, Paraguay, and, and Colombia, um, was by far the best position location to increase production. Now, when I mean increased production, I mean in new farmland and also in uh, increased productivity in existing farmland. And both of these factors meant that there was going to have to have a radical new uh, adoption or increase in adoption of technology, right? Um, the third thing that stood out to us is that when you compare our region, the Latin American uh, agricultural landscape, to the rest, 
uh, we are the only tropical agriculture. What does this mean? We have two to three harvests a year, contrary to temperate agriculture where you have one, one and a half. We don't have biological activity being frozen over during winter, so we can produce all year long, but at the same time, pests, diseases, uh, soil changes occur all year long. So <clears throat> it's a very different type of agriculture. We have soil uh, variabilities, we have microclimate variabilities, the size of farmers is different, the human capital to work the farm is very different, the infrastructure in farmland is very different. So what does this translate in terms of tech investing? It means that we demand native solutions. What is being developed in Tel Aviv, in Haifa, in Silicon Valley does not work over here. It has to be redeveloped, recalibrated. And we always believe that local entrepreneurs tackling local native problems were going to have a, um, a, a big competitive edge. So, I mean, Brazil was already the second biggest food producer in the world. Um, great growth opportunity. Um, we had a barrier to entry because of our tropical characteristic in nature. So all these factors just, you know, uh, screened out and said, well, let's build out some, some, some big local tech companies that are solving these big bottlenecks to be able to guarantee global food safety in a sustainable fashion. Can you uh, talk about uh, what those bottlenecks are that can be tackled with IT? When you say ag tech, I take it that you are talking about information technology as it applies to agriculture? Of course, of course. So, uh, first of all, when we, when we describe ag tech, we mean, and, and what we see as the, the end consumer market, we mean the entire agribusiness value chain, which represents in Brazil approximately 22 to 24% of our GDP. So it's very relevant. And this includes all technologies or all uh, improved methodologies to increase yields from planting and soil fertility, all the way to how we deliver uh, food products to end consumers. So, I mean, it's, it's really what, what has become pretty well known in the industry as farm to fork, right? It's the entire value chain. So I'll give you two very hot subsectors that we're looking at right now. First of all, um, distribution of ag products. By ag products, I mean seeds, fertilizers, uh, chemicals, biologicals, machines, machine parts. Um, is around the 30 to $35 billion market. And distribution has always been offline, with offline retailers, uh, offline distributors. And this is quickly going online. And I'll give an example. We invested in a company based out of Rosario in Argentina called AgroFi, which is quickly becoming the Mercado Libre, the, the eBay, let's say, of uh, ag here in Latin America, early winner of the game. Um, mm -hmm has been gaining a lot of traction. <clears throat> so that's, that's an example of uh, e-commerce and, and of online distribution. Another subsector that has become very hot is that agribusiness in Latin America traditionally has not had a financial services industry. <clears throat> and we've not had a financial services industry for, for a wide range. Uh, first of all, there was uh, subsidized government funding that distorted and crowded private markets, uh, private credit and private insurances out. Second, um, the, the, the traditional financial services industry was never capable or comfortable pricing and understanding the uncertainties relating to ag. And just remembering, agriculture is a manufacturing operation with a 9 to 12 month working capital necessity and involving biological activities completely exposed to climate. So it's a very risky, difficult to understand and difficult to finance and, and manage risk. So um, I think these, these are two reasons uh, that 
that it, it didn't take long to, to, to develop. And now what we have is uh, the, the public uh, financiers, you know, the, the public sector leaving the, the subsidized market simply because governments have gone uh, exhausted from a fiscal perspective, so they're going pretty much bankrupt. Uh, second, tech-enabled and digital transformation of agriculture has started to bring a lot of transparency to the sector, and the financial mm -hmm. services industry starts to see opportunities to price and distribute financial services product. Uh, so mm -hmm. what we see is tech-enabled insurance tech, credit tech, and payment platforms that are surging to be able to bring productivity to ag. So, yeah, I gave, you, I gave you just two examples, but we're looking at things in smart irrigation. We're looking at things in smart application of uh, herbicides, insecticides, and, and fungicides. We're looking at smart planting and seeding and harvesters. We're looking at satellite technologies. We're looking at drone technologies. <clears throat> We've invested across the board in most of these sectors that I told you, and, you know, there's still so much to come. Blockchain is just getting started in the region as a way to guarantee food traceability and uh, securitization of uh, agricultural debt. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Very cool. So how big, you said the first fund uh, in 2007 was $10 million. Um, what yeah. fund are you on and how has the fund size progressed? Yeah, I'll give, I'll give you the dollar. Most of our, our funds until, until the current one that we're closing right now have always been in local denominated currency. So I'll give you what they represented in dollars at the time of the closing, just so that you know, the, the, the audience can, can relate a little bit better. The first fund was approximately $10 million U.S., the second fund that we closed in 2014 was approximately 40 million US, and the one we're closing, uh, hopefully by the end of December next month, will be hard capped at 75 million US. Right. So we we've been increasing. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, not not we're not going to those uh, billion dollar uh, large funds. We feel that venture capital is a very boutique uh, financial intermediation. We get very involved in uh, deal flow sourcing and especially in adding value to entrepreneurs. So, you know, we don't want to have $500 million uh, under management. We really want to, to be able to have four to five deals max per partner at the company. Um, but that's, that's a range, okay? So we've gone from 10 to 40 and now $75 million funds. How many partners in the fund? Mm, four partners at the fund. Four. Four. Okay. Yes. And the, this, this, this is in the... In the, in the, in the I'm sorry. Sorry, please go ahead. Finish what you were saying. No, no. Just we we, we have a, another business that we started this year as well. We launched the first venture debt fund in Latin America. Uh, mm -hmm. This is a, a a business that is within the the GP, but my uh, my my partner Gabriela runs this practice, and uh, it's starting to replicate the Silicon Valley Bank uh, original business model here in the region and offer a non-dilutive long-term financing to entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. because we had seen in our, in our portfolios and previous funds that the best companies in our portfolio that were growing three digits a year, had great management, uh, great unit economics, they could never raise any kind of leverage, and equity financing was the only type of financing they could do. And entrepreneurs were, to be 100% sincere, were just getting too diluted <clears throat> and giving up mm -hmm. too much equity by the time they made uh, uh, their, their liquidity status. So we, we also launched the first uh, uh, venture debt fund. This is a $40 million fund. And talk to me about stage. You said you started off by saying that you like early stage. So define early stage for me. Are we talking seeds? Are we talking pre-seed, concept stage? What's, what's comfortable for your fund? Yeah, so the, the, the current fund, now that the ag tech ecosystem in the region is already uh, uh, on its way to maturity, 
we we are giving ourselves the luxury of uh, of becoming much more stage uh, specific. So we do late seed and Series A as the uh, sweet spot that we invest. So to give you an okay. example on the $75 million fund, how the allocation will be deployed, we will be investing in 20 to 25 companies throughout Latin America in the ag food tech space, writing checks of 750000 US to $1.5 million to get the party started. And we reserve mm-hmm. up to $2 per investment to uh, defend our positions and follow-ons, right? So uh, that, that's a little bit what we do. In the past, when we were the first guys to get to the ag tech uh, venture game in Latin America, we did a lot of very early bets. So we got a lot of companies that were just starting to sell their products and, and some even pre-operational. And we did probably very pre-seed and early seed uh, transactions. Uh, but this was out of necessity because we had to build the ecosystem, build the, 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 the platform. Uh, one more thing that we did as well in, in the beginning to get the ecosystem uh, up and running, we co-founded with the largest sugarcane and ethanol uh, operation in the world, a group called Rising, which is a joint venture with uh, Cosine Shell Corporation. We co-founded an ag tech accelerator, which at the time was the first ag tech accelerator in Latin America, in which has become mm-hmm. a, a very well-known place. If, if you want to develop and launch a technology for sugarcane anywhere in the world, uh, this accelerator called Pulse Hub has become definitely the go-to place. It's where you can really get the, the 1 million or so hectares that Raizen uh, operates and you know, all their sugar mills and, and all their uh, fermentators to ethanol and downstream operations with uh, trading and, and, and gas stations. We, we, we really get entrepreneurs by hand and we co-develop technologies and we help them roll out. So we've done a lot of things in the past to get the ecosystem up and running. But now, mm-hmm. as a VC, we, we really want to stick to late seed and Series A and then defend our positions throughout the rest of the stage financing. So uh, you put in about $3 million per company in about 20, 25 companies, roughly, in late seed Series A. You have this accelerator to get things off the ground. What about in between the accelerator and the late seed Series A? Are there funds that have come up who are able to fill that gap? Yeah, so, I mean, Latin America right now is, is in a very exciting moment. I mean, if you guys have been reading TechCrunch and seen a lot of the things, you, you've been seeing, uh, you know, a lot of the hype, a lot of people saying Latin America is the new China. Uh, SoftBank has been doing a lot of business in the region over the past, uh, you know, 12 to 18 months. Um, Latin America had never had a unicorn until late 2017. I'm sorry, not Latin America. Brazil had never had a unicorn until late 2017. And we had only had, as a region, Latin America, only three unicorns until 2017. And then from late 2017 till last week, we've had approximately 10 unicorns just in Brazil. Uh, so mm-hmm. so the, the, the ecosystem has come of age. And this has meant that uh, all the stage financing um, uh, locations have started to, to grow. There's a lot of angel investors. There's a lot of accelerators that do earlier investment. Um, and there's a lot of uh, seed and pre-seed uh, funds uh, uh, coming up. So I, I won't say that it's an extraordinarily liquid ecosystem, especially if you compare it to Silicon Valley or Israel, but uh, it's definitely much <laughs> less difficult to raise capital. Yeah, it's, it's, it's much less difficult to raise capital here today than it was two years ago. I mean, it's, 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 the dynamics are great. And what is the limited partner scenario for ag tech? So this $75 million fund or the $40 million before and the $10 million before, well, the $10 million was not ag tech specifically. It accidentally became ag tech. But the $40 million was ag tech. The $75 million is ag tech. So is there a set of limited partners that are particularly interested in ag tech VC funds? 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I can't disclose the names, but I can give you the profiles. Uh, we have two anchors that are very large uh, ag multinationals, some of the largest companies in the world in the ag space, uh, who have been active in the corporate ventures uh, sectors. And, and, you know, these two guys are LPs. Um, we have a large DFI, a development finance institution, uh, who is also a, a third anchor. Um, we have uh, Fund of Funds. Who, who have been deploying capital and diversifying their LP base across several different uh, venture ecosystems. And they see ag as a very promising uh, investment landscape. Uh, our, our new fund is ESG uh, compliant. Um, I mean, whenever you invest in ag tech, what we noticed in the beginning is that there's, there's something that you're doing no matter what. You're, you're increasing uh, global food security while optimizing the way you produce it. So you're producing that food of probably less water resources, less chemical fertilizers, less land. When you produce more of less land, you put less pressure on deforestation. So ag tech tends to be a environmental friendly uh, investing uh, space. So we started to have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, impact investors, LPs, or LPs that are concerned with the rate of, uh, of uh, uh, CO2 emissions and deforestations, and uh, I, I don't know if you know, but 70% of global freshwater application is agriculture. So it's very difficult for you to have a, a sustainable policy involving freshwater in the planet's use if you don't tackle it through agriculture. Um, so, I mean, I think that's DFIs, corporates, impact investors, and more and more family offices, high net worths that have exposure to ag or see ag as not only a transformational sector from a technology perspective, but also as a very defensive sector because uh, demand for food is always going to be very inelastic uh, and it's mm -hmm. always hard currency denominated, right? I mean, the underlying assets in soybean and, and sugar and the cotton, they are denominated in hard currencies and negotiated in, in global exchanges like Chicago. So those are the, the general piece that we've been, we've been attracting for our funds. Very good. Um, let's talk about a few of your companies and you can pick uh, which case studies you want to discuss in a bit more depth. So take maybe one, two, or three um, companies that you've invested in that are moving well and so forth, and, and talk about what kinds of problems they're solving. Sure. So uh, I'll start and, and actually, with... Uh, one second. Before you go, uh, what kind of problems they're solving? How, what did they, what states did they come to you? How did you find them or they find you? And what is it about them that caught your attention enough to want to invest in them? Gotcha. So uh, let me start off with a company called Aegro, A-E-G-R-O, uh, Aegro. It's uh, the leading FMS, farm management system. So it sells uh, enterprise software for small and medium farmers. We got this mm -hmm. company at a very early stage. It was founded by four brilliant computer science uh, uh, majors from a university in the south of Brazil. And um, I think that we saw the FMS-based platform as one of the, uh, the spearheads of the digital transformation of farmers, right? So farmers, uh, I'll speak for Latin America, uh, they, they still manage their farms. Uh, I mean, and this is changing rapidly right now. But guys that have 200 hectares, 400 hectares, I mean, relevant farms, they still managed it either with a notebook or with an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, and, and, and again, a very complex operation where you're using uh, seeds, chemicals, you're fighting biological warfare, you're exposed to uh, climatic adversities, 
uh, you have volatility in prices from your inputs all the way to your end products. I mean, a very complex operation of machinery, and these guys are managing it in a very simple fashion. And if you look at farmers, uh, and, and I've heard that this is the same if you're talking about Illinois or Ohio, um, you have farmers that are having very high productivity, uh, you know, producing 80 bags of soybean per hectare uh, in, in, in one side of the street, and his neighbor is doing 20, 30 soybeans. And that's the difference between a guy who's making money and a guy who's going out of business. And what's the, what's the major difference? It's management. And the best way for you to spearhead management is through uh, information technology. So we saw these guys, they were very focused on building a fantastic product. That was their number zero, one, two, three uh, priority. I think this is what, what you know, sparked their eyes. And we decided to choose these guys as our uh, horse, our, our bet, to be able to lead uh, a very important part of the digital transformation uh, of ag. This brings a question yes. to my mind. Um, you said these are three brilliant computer scientists who founded this company. Where did the domain knowledge about farms come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and they, why they... did they choose to work on that problem? Yeah, so that, that, that's an interesting point. They, they had attracted a, a very senior, older uh, agronomist who was a consultant to the rice industries in the south of Brazil and a very well-known guy and they had attracted uh, him to, to the business that he became their godfather let's say a mentor from a very early stage uh, he had gotten a little bit of equity in the company so he was you know very aligned from an economic perspective and he was uh, helping the boys exactly with what you said to make the uh, the leap from computer science to understanding the pain points and the agronomy challenges of the farmer. Now, that said, and why was, did they choose important. to go in that direction? What, what was the draw for them in ag, uh, in a farm? I, I believe it's the same thing that drew us. Um, I mean, first of all, it's it's a major purpose driven. Uh, we see that it's such a representative part of our uh, economy, and at the same time, it's a sector that is so uh, exposed and volatile to all these uh, these uh, external okay. issues. There was nothing these, uh, the, the computer science students came from farming families or anything, so they didn't really have any any roots at all in farming. They just randomly picked up farming as the as a domain that they want to work on and apply their computer science knowledge to it. Interesting. Exactly. I mean, they they, they saw that it was one of the big challenges of mankind. I mean, it's it's a Malthusian yeah. dilemma. Uh, sure. the, the current agri- the current agricultural system it's it's broken. I mean, the way it is, it's unsustainable in terms of fertilizer application, in terms of insecticide application, uh, in terms of CO2 emissions. The way, the way it's done today, it doesn't work. Uh, and to think that we're going to have to increase it by 60 to 80 percent, I mean, it's, it's just digging, digging, digging deeper. So I think the one thing about that, yeah, we, we were the first investors in the company. Uh, we wrote a seed check. Uh, the company grew significantly, and then we wrote a, uh, a late seed check again. So we did two rounds in the company. And besides building a great company, what these boys were able to do that we haven't seen anybody in, in, in ag tech globally do as well is that there was a big concern or there was a big uh, paradox that if you spoke to anybody traditional from ag, and this included you know, Monsanto executives, farmers, all these guys, they would always tell you, you're never going to sell technology to farmers if you don't go to the farm, 
get your boots dirty, mm-hmm. have coffee with the farmers, and spend hours and hours and hours chatting, chatting, chatting with them. And what these boys said is, no, we don't believe this. We think that farmers uh, are just like regular people. They, they are going through an information overload. They're being uh, digitally transformed and impacted. And inside sales and inbound marketing is going to work. And the revolution that happened in other sectors of sales, where you produce content, you attract yeah. users, you feed these users with content, you make a call, and you close a sale with a demo, uh, is going to work in farming. And these boys did this, and, and it's worked. I mean, the, the company is growing 13% a month uh, without having one field sale, guys, all inside sales and inbound marketing. Excellent, excellent. And how far along are they? What kind of uh, revenue levels yep. are they at? So they're, they're not disclosing revenue levels, but I can tell you the, the hectares they're doing. Um, these guys are already doing 6,000 farms, okay, that's over 1,000 paying customers, okay, and uh, mm-hmm. growing by, by 13%. So they're growing by over uh, 700 new uh, farms per day, over, uh, per day, no, I'm sorry, per month, uh, over mm-hmm. uh, 120, 130 new clients per, per month. So uh, uh, significant. And they're already doing uh, over 4 million hectares. Now, let me just give you a, a, a comparison. There was a company, uh, a parallel company, called Granular that did something very similar to them in the U.S. Granular, when they had around uh, 3 million hectares, I believe, was acquired by uh, Corteva for $300 million. This was an Anderson Horowitz uh, back company. Uh, The Mm -hmm. boys here are already 30% bigger than Granular was when they were acquired, Um, just to give you a a, a parallel, okay? Um, Yeah, and and, and what we see is so so interesting about this, this vein is that uh, once you have farmers uh, with their FMS and you're managing the entire operation, you're seeing what they're buying, you're seeing to who you're se- they're selling, you're issuing their invoices through the system, you're collecting data, you're engaging, uh, you are in a very competitive position to do much more efficiently what the banks try to do, which is provide capital, identify if they're good uh, farmers or not, send people to the field to visit, to see what, what, what these guys do, how they're doing it, we have this information already uploaded. So we, we are in a very comfortable position to be able to price and distribute financial instruments through this FMS. And uh, we think that this company can become in the coming years a uh, digital bank for farmers, a, a leading provider of credit and insurance for farmers. Very cool. Very cool. So um, I don't know if you've been reading our Entrepreneur Journeys series on the blog. Um, we profile entrepreneurs and their journeys, how they've built companies. So if this company has crossed $5 million in revenue, which I'm accessing, it has, please ask them to get in touch with us, and, and we'll be delighted to do their story. Deal. I'll definitely, I'll definitely ask them, too. Yeah, I'll, def- I'll have the founder CEO, Pedro Dusso, a very inspiring figure, uh, get in oh, contact. Yeah. It's, it's $5 okay. million, uh, annual revenues, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. That's right. Um, okay, very cool. Is there any other company that you want to discuss before we wrap up this segment of the uh, uh, meeting today? Yeah, per, 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 perhaps a, a company that we, uh, we co-invested with Syngenta Ventures and Bungi Ventures uh, in uh, Argentina. Now, this is interesting because 
Argentina has been making the headlines and getting a p- pretty bad rap uh, for, you know, uh, political turmoil and all these things. But, uh, I mean, coming from Brazil, I can say this with no prejudice. Argentines have always been fantastic entrepreneurs, and they have a dilemma that is very similar to what we see in Israel. Since they, they have a very small consumer market, Argentine entrepreneurs usually start their businesses already looking globally, especially looking in, in, to Brazil and other expansion markets. And uh, we have an investment there in Rosario, and a company called AgroFi, which, as I mentioned before, is the eBay or the Amazon of uh, ag. And uh, this is a company that in a little bit over two and a half years has already become the early winner in the game in Argentina, already has over 40% of its revenues in Brazil, and has already launched uh, Bolivia, Paraguay, and Uruguay. So it's, it's, it's a company that is, is dominating the uh, e-commerce space for ag products in Latin America at a... At a Excellent. It sounds fabulous. We would love to do that story as well if the numbers are uh, already there. It sounds like they are. Terrific. For well, sure. You gave us a wonderful insight into the ag tech space and, and uh, especially in the context of Latin America. So uh, it was a fascinating discussion. Francisco, we are running out of time for your segment, but thank you for being here and wish you all the best. We'll keep in touch. It was an honor. Thank you so much for having me. and Let me know what we can do together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.